Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Would you put your hands together and welcome everyone who's joining us online today. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope one Sunday you will make the decision to join us in person at 9.30 or 11 o'clock. In our first service, we had a bunch of visitors and they brought their kids with them and we didn't have kids classes in the 930 service so that's how important getting more children's workers are amen because if they don't come back to our church it's your fault for not serving <laughs> I mean I hate to put that on you but just so you know so in Exodus the fourth chapter we're going to see Moses having a conversation with God that starts in Exodus 3 where God comes to him and he says Moses, I want you to know why you were created. I want you to know what you are on this earth for. How many of you know that you're not here by accident, you're here by design? God knew, knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He chose you, he called you, he has gifted you, he has appointed you for a certain time. That's amazing. He didn't just release you into this earth. There was a certain time for a certain place for a certain function. And so now God is revealing this to Moses because Moses had no idea. Moses, if you really look at his story and you start thinking through what would Moses have felt about himself, you would have thought that, well, maybe he felt abandoned because his mom just gave him away. Here's a boy that he's a Hebrew child, but he's raised in a Hebrew, in a Egyptian home with different customs. His identity would have been all kinds of messed up. Who am I? What do I believe? Who do I serve? All this stuff would have, <coughs> excuse me, all of this stuff would have been going through Moses' mind. So when we find him here in the fourth chapter talking to God, we can kind of understand some of the insecurities he's dealing with because I think if you're honest, you'll admit that you and I deal with some insecurities on some levels. You and I have questions about our identity. Who are we? I mean, I hear what the pastor says week after week about who I am, but I really don't feel that way. You ever, can be honest? Like you hear people say like you're created in the image and the likeness of God, but yet you go, well, obviously you didn't see me last night. Obviously you weren't in my head this morning on the way to church. You didn't hear what I was thinking. You didn't hear what I was saying. You don't know what I'm doing because if you knew, you'd know that I'm disqualified from this thing. So I appreciate what you're saying, but you don't know me. So that's kind of the stuff that Moses is dealing here with here. And he gets to Exodus 4, chapter verse 1. Moses responds to God and says, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. They will say. Let me, let me just pause here. There will be a lot of they's in your life, and they will say a lot of different things about you. They will think a lot of different things about you. And at some point in time, you've got to make the decision of whether or not you're going to listen to the they or you're going to listen to God. Because people will try to put all kinds of labels on you based upon what you've been through, based upon where you've come from, based upon what you look like. They'll label you a failure. They'll label you no good. They'll label you fat, skinny, broke, poor, rich, all this kind of stuff. All these labels, drug addict, addicted, in bondage. And, and what happens is when we receive these labels that the they say, it alters the way we live. 
Because if you tell me I'm always going to be in bondage and I believe it, guess where I'll stay? In bondage. It doesn't matter how much freedom Jesus offers to me. If I believe I'm in bondage and will remain there, I will stay there in bondage. If I believe that I am worthless, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or does or says. If I believe I'm worthless, I will function as though I'm worthless. And guess what I'll do? I'll gather other people who feel worthless about themselves to myself. If you want to kind of know who you really are or what you really feel about yourself, start looking around at who you're hanging out with because you will draw the same kind of people to you. Broken people draw broken people. That's why relationships are always in a a dead-end cycle. We get in a relationship with someone and they're bad to us and all this garbage happens and then we get in a new relationship and it's the same old junk, it's because of who we feel we are on the inside and we attract those people to us. So we gotta understand, they will say a lot of things. They will have a lot of different opinions. You will even have different thoughts and opinions about yourself, but you gotta think, well, what am I gonna believe? Am I gonna lean into what they say or am I gonna lean into what God has said? Because he thinks something completely different about you than you think about yourself. I wish... (coughs) that we could take a mirror, a supernatural mirror, and look at it and see ourselves the way God sees us because it would blow us away. God doesn't see your unibrow. (laughs) And before you send me an email, I'm not talking about you because I'm not aware of anyone in here having a unibrow. One day I was at church and I said, everybody smile. And I said, no, not you, sir. You don't have any teeth. That was at my dad's church. I said that. I didn't know that there was a man in the audience that didn't have teeth. And I got a scathing email about questioning my Christianity because why would I single him out? Now, in a crowd of hundreds of people with the lights off, I had no idea. So I've got to be very careful with what I say. And now I've offended those with no teeth too. So there you go. But hear what I'm saying. The point is this. God does not see you the way you see yourself. He does not see your flaws. He does not see your problems. He does not see your issues. If you are in Christ, that's not what he sees. He sees a new creation. When he looks at you, he sees the blood. He sees the chosen. He sees the called. He sees the redeemed. He sees the qualified. So Moses is going through all this kind of stuff that we go through. When God calls us out of darkness into light, we have all of these feelings and emotions based upon what they have said or what they have thought or what we even think about ourselves. And the Bible says that God responds to him and says, what is it that is in your hand? Ask the person next to you, what's in your hand? And he said, it's a staff. And he said, now throw that on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. I would too. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. 
If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign that they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes man mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh, Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people And he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. It's uh, amazing to me how we argue with God when it comes to who we are and who we aren't. What we can do and what we cannot do. We want to tell the maker and designer what we are capable of. We do it all the time. That's what Moses is doing. You know, the other day I was thinking about my kids and how inquisitive they become when they hit that age about three years old. They want to ask you all kinds of questions to get, know, to, get to know you more. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> so they ask you things like, Dad, do you like hot dogs or hamburgers? I'm like, you know, I like both. <laughs> do you like our dog or do you like our hermit crabs? I like the hermit crabs, not the dog. Yeah. But they, they ask you all kinds of they ask you all kinds of questions because they, they want to get to know you. And my daughter asked me this question the other day that stumped me. She said, Dad, what's your favorite color? And I was like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, when I was a kid, I had my go-to answer. It was red. That was my favorite color. But I wasn't questioning things when I was a child. I just said red. I mean, I liked red. I'd wear red. But now that I'm getting older, I think, like, well, maybe red's not for me. Maybe red's not my thing, and now, now do, I don't have a favorite color. Like, what is my favorite color? What, I mean, am, I, am I this guy now that doesn't know what his favorite color is? I mean, I mean maybe, maybe, maybe I'm an equal opportunity color person. Like, I just like all the colors the same. I, but I don't have a favorite. I just like them all the same. And I thought, well, maybe that's, that's got to be t- the truth. I like all colors equal. But then I thought, well, that's not right because there's certain shades of pink that I hate. Because when I was a child... My mom accepted pink into her heart. And our carpet was pink. Our walls were pink. And eventually my mom painted the exterior of our home pink. We didn't live in Miami. We lived in Mableton, Georgia. It stood out like a sore thumb. So much so that if I ordered a pizza and they asked you for your address, I didn't have to give it to them. I just had to say, all I had to say, this is true. We're the pink house on Nickajack Road. Everybody knew it. So now my problems are amplified because not only do I not have a favorite color, but I'm the kid that grew up in a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> I've got some issues. I don't know what to tell my daughter. What's my favorite color? I have no idea. It's not pink. 
But the other day I was driving in my car and I had my wedding band on. And a lot of times when I have it on, I'll play with it. And it's one of those black rubber things, you know, so it's fun to play with. And I'm sitting at a red light and I'm playing with my ring. And when I took it off, I looked and on the inside of the ring, it was the most magnificent color of blue I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, I love that. What just happened? I've got a favorite color. I've got a favorite color, blue. And it was there the whole time. It was in my hand the whole time, but I never realized it or recognized it because it was on the inside. I never took time to look at it. And the reason I'm telling you that story is because there is greatness inside of you. You just haven't seen it yet. You underestimate who you are because you don't understand what God has placed inside of you. I want, I want to show you this. 2 Peter verse 1 I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says his divine power. This is talking about God. His divine power has granted to us all things. Somebody say all things. You know, if you look that up in the original Greek, you know what that means? All things. God has granted to us, so let's personalize it. God has granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he hasn't just given you what you need to become a child of God. He hasn't just given you what you need to receive heaven as your home. He hasn't just given you what you need to produce the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit in your life. He's also given you everything you need for your life right now, which means if God has called you to do something, he has fully equipped you for it. And not just equipped you for it, but he's given you every resource and tool that you need. And it's inside of you. Somebody say, it's inside of me. The problem is, we don't recognize it. God calls us to do something and we don't recognize what he's placed inside of us. And so we'll start arguing with him like Moses does and giving him all the excuses of why we can't and why we never will. Well, I can't because I don't have this. I don't have this level of education. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. Excuse, 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 excuse. And that's what Moses is bringing to him. He's telling God, hey, God, I can't. I'm not good enough. Do you remember my story? You remember where I came from? I came from Egypt. The reason I'm not in Egypt anymore is because I killed somebody. And we have all these excuses. And it boggles my mind the fact that we can recognize the gift in someone else, but we're blind when it comes to ourselves. Like it's really easy to look at people that you know and see the gift and the potential in them. Even if they're not living up to it, you can see that potential inside of them and you want to speak to them, you want to encourage them, you want to help dig that out. But when it comes to ourselves, we got blinders on, myself included. There are things about you that you will never know about yourself unless it is revealed to you, unless that gift is stirred up inside of you. And that's what Moses is going through. God says, Moses, you're going to lead my people out of bondage from Egypt into the place that I promised them. And Moses says, I can't. I'm I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. And God responds with, what do you have in your hand? Think about this. What do you have in your hand? Now take that, throw it down. Moses takes what has been there most of his life that he's been carrying around. He throws it down. And as soon as he releases what he has, he sees the potential of what is inside of him. 
See, that's how it works. As soon as you recognize what is inside of you and the greatness that is there and you release it to God, he begins to use it. He begins to work on it. He begins to grow it. And what seems small and insignificant to begin with grows into something amazing. You know, if I told you today, if, if I had an apple seed in my hand and you said you were hungry and I handed you that apple seed, you'd think, thanks, man. Because it, it has no power to do anything right now. And a lot of us, we'd look at that seed and just cast it away. As a matter of fact, when we eat apples, we'll eat the flesh or the fruit of the apple. And then what do we do? We throw away the core. But did you know the power is actually not in the flesh of the fruit? It's actually in the core. Because what you are throwing away, what you are discarding, has the ability to grow you an orchard. Think about it. So we've got what looks to us like an apple seed. Well, it's small. It's insignificant. It's lifeless. It's not important. I can see the, the greatness in you. I can see the potential in you, but not my life. Look at this. It's just, just a little speck. God said, man, you don't understand. In your hand is an orchard. In your life is every power, every ability, everything that you need for life and for godliness. And if God brings you to something, he will bring it. Are you, are you hearing me? If God brings you to something, he has brought you to it because he can bring it, you through it with what he's already placed inside of you. You have greatness inside of you. The same God that raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit lives and dwells in you. And he has placed specific gifts inside of you that you will need and they are there and they are available, but you've got to start recognizing it. See, the insecurities are always going to be there. Moses is wrestling with insecurities. He's arguing with God. Insecurities are always going to be there, but you choose what you're going to feed. You choose what you're going to allow to grow. You can either feed the insecurities and the negatives, or you can feed yourself on the word of God and see what he can do. You know, Moses had no idea. Are you following this? Moses had no idea who he would become or what he was capable of until he did it. See, when we read the Bible, we have the luxury of seeing the complete story from start to finish. And when, we, when you read scripture, you have to understand there's an upper story, which is God's perspective, what God is doing. And then there's the lower story, what we see happening in the natural, our experience, what we're walking through. Moses only saw what he was walking through. See, we look at his story and we see, okay, well, his mom gave him up so that he could be rescued and he's going to be raised in the house of Egypt and he's going to need all of that experience and that knowledge and those connections for what God's called him to. That's what we see, but Moses doesn't see that. He sees possibly a mom who didn't care enough about me and so she throws me into the Nile. Like, good luck. He, he sees a family that's not his own raising him, probably treating him differently than everyone else that he's around because he's not like them and he's wrestling with all this stuff. And I mean, all this stuff is going on in his head. He didn't understand he was great. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He didn't understand what was inside of him. He didn't understand his potential. But as soon as he had a revelation of it, God used him to do some phenomenal things. What I'm trying to tell you is if you'll get a revelation 
of what is inside of you, it will blow your mind. Watch what the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 2.9. As it is written, what no eye has seen, someone say no one's seen it, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. How many of you can honestly say you love God? That means there are some things prepared for you. He's not preparing, it's prepared. He's not looking at your life, Joni, and saying, you know what, I love my daughter, Joni, and so I'm gonna start doing some things for her and prepare. That's not how God works. It's already prepared. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you and he prepared everything that you will need to accomplish what you are called to accomplish. Can I ask you, uh, let me ask you this. I've got an iPad here. At what point in history was the iPad possible? How many of you knew what Randy said to be true? Some of you are thinking, well, I mean, it was 2,000-something when they created the chip. And day one, when God said, let there be, this was available. Let's, let's just go on with this. See, for years, <clears throat> for years, people traveled by horse because they didn't know a car was possible. But the car was always possible. For years, people traveled by boat because they did not know that the airplane was possible, but the airplane was always possible. The resources were there. Everything that we needed was there. We just had to discover it and start putting it together. Now let's look at your life. Everything that you need, it's already there inside of you. And God's just waiting for you to discover it. God is waiting for you to begin to see yourself the way he sees you, as loved, as important, as called, as chosen, full of potential. Remember that song we used to sing in children's church? I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bond of love, potentiality. Da, 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 da. I hope I blessed you with that. I am a promise, I am a possibility, I am a promise with a capital P. I'm a great big bundle of love, potentiality, da-da-da-da. I'm stopping before you get yourself, I remember I was like, gotta get this, gotta get this, gotta go viral. Not today, Satan. <laughs> the devil is a liar. That is true. Oh, I feel the presence of God, that simple little song. You are a promise. You're not waiting on a promise. You are a promise. You are a possibility. And what you can become has not entered into your ears, your eyes, your heart, or your thoughts. You have no concept of the greatness that is inside of you. Well, how do we, then what do we do with this, Pastor? The Bible says the spirit, those things that we can't see or hear or think about, the spirit will reveal them to us. So the closer I draw to the Holy Spirit, he starts to reveal who I am. 
He starts to reveal my nature. Why? Because he's putting me back into Christ where I belong. He's painting the image of God back on my life. All the filth and all the stuff and all the garbage that that has disfigured me. He is putting it all back together to where I resemble the nature and the likeness of God again. See, when Jesus was destroyed on the cross, you know what they destroyed? His image. The Bible says that he was so marred that he was unrecognizable. See, he did that for us. He allowed his image on the cross to be destroyed so that our image can come back to life. He lost his face so you can get your face back. You have greatness inside of you and everything you need is already there. You know, if you live life long enough, you have the privilege of being able to look back on things where you've come from, the hurt, the pain, and see how God worked it out. You're able to look back and see that at a time you didn't think you were capable of it, but now you know that you, you actually did have the ability. For some of you, you've raised kids on your own. You didn't, you didn't think you could ever do it, but now you've done it because it was always inside of you things that you've accomplished that you never thought that you could have accomplished, you can look back and go, wow. You know, when I was a kid, I could not see my children. But they were always inside me. When I was a kid, I could not see Activation Church. But it was always inside me. What I'm trying to tell you is just because you don't see it yet doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Stop living according to what you see with these. Stop living according to how you feel and start leaning into the Holy Spirit of God. God, who do you say that I am? What have you called me to do? The gifts that you've placed there, God, I'm asking that you would begin to stir them up. I'm asking that you would begin to use them. And as he begins to stir them up, as he begins to use them, you start applying it wherever you can because that's how he works with it. He doesn't give you all this stuff for naught. Moses didn't see what the staff in his hand could do until he threw it down. Moses didn't see the Red Sea part until he, are you seeing what I'm saying? He didn't see it until he did something. Many times we're waiting on God to do something for us, and God's waiting on us to move on what he's already done. That's called faith. There's a powerful principle there. Some of you are praying for things, and God's saying, it's done. Now go get it. God, give me a job. Give me a job. Give me a job. God's like, put together a resume. (laughs) God, give me a girlfriend. Take a shower. God, I just, God, just send the love of my life to me. God's like, okay, well, at some point you're going to have to get off the couch and leave the house. I mean, unless you want to marry the postman or Jehovah's Witness, you got to leave your house to meet somebody. They say, faith without works is dead. So we've got to apply ourselves. God, use me. 
If you're saying, God, use me, and you've not, this is, I didn't even say this in the 930 service, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. If you're saying, God, use me, and you've not applied yourself to do anything for this local church, maybe, just maybe, that's the staff in your hand that you can throw down and go, wow, I never knew I was called to children's ministry. I never knew I was called to be a host. I never knew that I was called to the media team. I never, I never knew because I couldn't see it. But now that I do it, I'm starting to see it. Things are starting to happen for me. But it's because I did something. What a great plug for our VBS is coming up. <laughs> Somebody in here needed to hear that this morning. But watch this. So, whatever you need is already inside of you. Whatever you need that is not inside of you, two things. One, it's not there because you don't need it to be inside of you. But God will bring it to you through someone else. I'm not called to do everything. I'm only called to do what God has called me to do. Now, in the big scheme of things, that means my calling is bigger than myself. So God will always resource you with other people who are connected to that same purpose and destiny. See, I said activation was in me. That's true. Some of you sitting here, I say some of you because it's only for those who, who have actually been planted here by God, activation was in you. When you were, your family was in Puerto Rico, before they even thought about having you, activation was in them so that activation could be in you. Think about that. You were living in a different part of the world doing something completely different and God had already placed, he's, he's drawing us together because there's things that I cannot do on my own that you can do and when we come together, it works. Moses tells God, I can't talk. And God says, well, I'm the one that made your mouth so I could fix that problem. But since you're stubborn, remember that brother that you have, Aaron? He's about to come up here. Is that a coincidence? No. Because God had prepared Aaron for Moses to be a mouthpiece. See, I met Randy in seventh grade. Randy led worship. I met him in seventh grade. And, you know, at the time, I had switched from public school to private school for, really, it was a ridiculous reason. I got behind on some work in public school, and I was like, you know, if I go to a private school, clean slate. So that's what I did. I taught my parents to let me go to private school so I could get a clean slate so I wouldn't have to make up all the work because that's the way my brain works. But then I go to private school, I end up meeting Randy. Randy and I become friends. As we grow older, we start doing music together, we start working in ministry together. All of this stuff is happening and now we stand here today and I can preach but I can't sing. But guess what? God brought what I needed. There's other things I can do but I can't do graphic arts but God brought what I needed. I can stand up here on a Sunday morning, but I can't be downstairs at the same time. So God brings, are you following this? We all need each other. And so if something is not inside of you, it's because God has added someone to you that brings that to the table. And when we all come to the table with your gifts, your talent, your potential, and it all comes together, we look like the body and that's when his will is done. Your gift is never just about you. It's about the people God connects you to. Even in a marriage, 
It's God bringing to you someone that you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. God is amazing. And today I just pray that he'll start stirring you up on the inside to see that you are more than you feel. You are more than you see. You are more than what they have said. You are more than what they think. You are more. You are more. You are more. You are more. And if God has brought you to it, God can bring you through it. So stop telling yourself, I can't and I won't, and start saying, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. If this is where I'm at right now, then I can do it. I can make it. I can accomplish it. I may get knocked down, but I'm not going to give up. I'm always going to get back up and I'm going to hit it head on. That's how you approach life, head on. You don't have to be a loser. Losing is your choice, not ordained by God. God has not ordained you to lose and to fail. He's ordained you to be more than a conqueror. Victory lives inside of you. Well, if that's true, Pastor, then why did I fail before? Have you ever thought that it really wasn't a failure? It was just a learning experience? Why did I have to get, why did I have to be raised in the house of Egypt? Why did my mom have to let me go? Because all that stuff that didn't make sense when you start walking to your purpose, you see, oh, I see now. Because if that would have worked, this wouldn't work. So God was with me all the time, working and shifting and moving and always on my behalf because he's got something great prepared for me. I hope you feel encouraged this morning. I hope you feel like you can go out and just scream on the rooftop. I'm somebody! Great big bundle of potentiality. You haven't seen it yet. Just scratching the surface, Daryl. Scratching the surface. Well, I've done a lot. Not, not anything compared to what God can do. Trust me on that. Father, I thank you for every person that is watching right now, for every person that is in this room. Lord, I ask that you would give us your eternal perspective on our life. Allow us to see in ourselves what we cannot see for ourselves. Lord, allow your spirit to reveal to us who you've called us to be. Lord, so that we can do what you called us to do, so that you receive the glory. God, that's what it's about. It's not about people looking at us and going, oh, look how great they are. It's about people seeing us, and through us, they see you. Because we're ordinary people, but we carry an extraordinary God on the inside. So, Lord, make yourself known to us and make yourself known to others through us. In Jesus' name, amen.